We are talking about um, things that you can use for sechach that used to be a kli, but then you broke it. And once you break something, then it's no longer mekabel tum'ah. And so we saw that the Mishnah mentions uh, pieces of a bed, like a half of a bed frame. You still cannot put on the sukkah because it's still usable. Technically, you can take even half of a bed frame and prop it up against a wall, and then you can still sit on it and lie down on it. Um, therefore, uh, half of a bed frame is still considered an unkosher sechach. According to this opinion, it would seem that if you had only one piece of it, uh, not a whole bed frame, but just a beam, then you could use that for sechach. Um, so that opinion is more lenient. And that contrasts with the more stringent opinion, which we saw at the end of the day yesterday, but now we're going to return to it with the gufa uh, to analyze it more fully. Amar Rebi Ameh Bar Tavyome. He has a very nice name. Rebi Ameh, his name is Good Day. Uh, so he's, uh, his, his name appears only in this sugya and nowhere else. So this was a good day for him that his uh, halakha was recorded. So we're lucky we have this halakha from him. So he said, If for sechach you use a worn out piece of material, a worn out vessel, uh, then that is no good. That means it was used to be a vessel and was mekabel tumah, but now it's just a little piece all worn out. So it's not mekabel tumah anymore. Nevertheless, even though it's not mekabel tumah, because it was once a vessel, it no longer can be used. So you see, he, he would be machmir, he's the more stringent opinion, uh, and uh, presumably even a piece of a bed, a bed post would not be good. Uh, now, my we just want to explain, what does he mean by worn out vessels? We're talking about some kind of cloth that is less than three by three finger breaths. So that's very small. And nobody would use that. Not poor people and not rich people. Rich people aren't going to use it because even something bigger, they're going to throw out. Even poor people, if it's less than three by three, they have no use for it. You can use it as a rag, as a patch, it's too small. Even poor people throw it out. And so therefore, it's not considered a vessel at all by according to any definition. Nevertheless, since it came from a bigger watt piece and was once a vessel, um, you cannot use it for sechach. That is Rabbi Ameh Bar Tavyomeh's opinion. Um, uh, he, we're going to support him with a braita. Tanya kebateh Rabbi Ameh Bar Tavyomeh. Mahaselet shel shifa v'shel gemi. If you have a mat made out of papyrus or reed grass, uh, this, uh, this uh, case actually makes a lot more sense than the cloth because uh, cloth, I mean, it can't be made out of wool. Maybe it's made out of linen, something that grows naturally, still doesn't quite look like, uh, like something that grows from the ground. So uh, something, a mat that's made out of papyrus or reed grass, um, that, would be, uh, that would make more sense. Um, nevertheless, let's say it was some kind of mat that would, you would use to sit on or lie down on. That's a vessel, that's mekabel tumah, so it cannot be used for uh, However, if a remnant of it, just a little piece, in this case, a little piece would be six by six tefachim. Um, there's the smallest, it's the smallest uh, uh, piece of something that would be usable, something that is more expensive. The more expensive it is, the smaller you would still consider usable and not throw out. But a papyrus is cheaper. And so even a six by six uh, tefach might be usable. Less than that is considered, considered a remnant. And therefore that is no longer mekabel tumah. Nevertheless, 
even though it's small and you still cannot use it for sechach. So you go, there you go. That this baraita supports perfectly what Abi Ameh said with a slightly different example. Now, once we quoted the beginning of the baraita, we're going to quote the rest of it. And the rest of it is actually very important. So regarding um, mats made out of reeds, depends on the size. If it's small, then you cannot use it for sechach. Because if it's small, that means you're going to use it to sit for sitting on or for lying down on. And those are kelim. If a zav would sit on it, uh, they would become tameh. So therefore, the small ones usually are made for, for using. Big ones, however, are not made for personal use that you would lie down or sit on it. The big ones are made for building material to make a wall, to put on the roof. And so therefore, those are not kelim. Uh, they are not mekabel tumah. So you can use those for sechach. The Beliyaz disagrees and says even the big ones are mekabel tumah. You're considering considering them a vessel and you cannot use them. Okay, so the Tanakama is very important for, for our halachalamase because if you go to Home Depot and buy a, uh, a doormat, uh, it might be made out of just natural material, nevertheless, it's no good, or a placemat. Uh, or something that's made as a cushion or a hammock, anything that's made to lie down on, those are all vessels and would not be good. Uh, however, if you buy some kind of mat that's made for uh, building material, uh, for, uh, well, fencing was a big discussion that um, that, uh, that, uh, that several poskim uh, talk about, uh, but it's made for, um, made for roofing, uh, for shade, all those kinds of things would be fine. And uh, so we could learn that halakha from this. Okay, good. Now we get to the next uh, item in the Mishnah, which was Hachotet Bagadish, the famous case we've mentioned a lot of times, and now we finally analyze it fully. So we're talking about a grain pile like this, and you have the grain piles there, and after that, you dig, you dig a space uh, in, inside. So usually you're supposed to start off with a space and then cover, put walls and then cover it. But here, you started with material and put the space in after. And that's a problem of ta'aseh, below minha'asu. You have to make the sukkah by adding on the materials and not use pre-existing materials um, and then where the, where the sukkah is made on its own and not, um, and not made actively. So Rav Huna comes to give a leniency and give a case where it would be okay to have uh, to use a grain pile. So he says the Mishnah is only talking about a case where there is no space at all, not even one tefach by seven by seven. But if you do have that uh, starting off, then it's okay. Here's a picture that will explain it. So let's say, uh, first you have this um, uh, the, this uh, step uh, here um, that, that's under, and then you put all the hay on top of it. So what you see is that this step is uh, has space of one tefach by seven across and seven deep. So that by itself is an ohel. Uh, and you know, for, for the purposes of tumat met, that would be an ohel. So since you already have space, you already have an ohel, so then if I just dig further and I go ahead and dig out uh, a, a height of nine more tefachim for a total of 10 and dig across, that's okay. That would be similar to a case where um, I have the, the sechach is too low and it's less than 10. I can dig down underneath the ground and dig it out and make it and get more height. So as long as you're starting off with some space, 
then you can dig the rest of it because at least you have an ohel already. So that's a very interesting halacha. And to support Ravuna, we have a braita. Tanya namehachi hachotet bagadish la sot lo Braita says if you dig into a haystack to make a sukkah, it's kosher. That's all the Braita says. That is kosher. Now, wait a minute. Our Mishnah says the opposite, that if you dig out a haystack, it's not kosher. There seems to be um, a, a really apparent contradiction between the Braita and the Mishnah. Oh, but if we explain that the Braita is talking about a case where there was already a pre-existing tefach, even though it's not a, good enough for a kosher sukkah, nevertheless, it is some space. So it's considered an ohel. It's just too short to be a sukkah. So then I'm just fixing it and making it the full height. And that is fine. Uh, the taaseh is done when I put this, that, all the hay on top. I'm making a tent, even though it's not yet a kosher sukkah. So then I can fill out the rest. And so if we assume ravuna, then we can use that to um, explain the contradiction between the Mishnah and the Baraita. Good. Everything we just said about ravuna is said in a different version uh, where uh, the, 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 the proof becomes a question. The question becomes a proof. Some uh, say this as a contradiction, meaning they started off with the contradiction and used ravuna as the answer rather than start off with Ravuna and then say, oh, by the way, it can help answer a question. So we start with the, with the problem. Tenan, our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says, digging in the haystack, no good. There's no Braita that says, it is good. So Rabuna says, oh, I see this contradiction. No problem, I can solve it. When there is a space, that's the Braita. So there is already some space and uh, one, one high by seven by seven. Seven by seven, by the way, is the, is the smallest width that you can have. So you need at least that, that much. And that would then it would be okay. And our Mishnah is talking about when you start off with zero space or less than a tefach. And that is no good. Okay, it's very interesting that you have these two versions. Um, you see, as transmitted and remembered in slightly different ways. And the the second one, the braita is cut short, just harezo sukkah. Now you couldn't really have a braita that just says harezo sukkah without knowing the case, unless the braita was somehow always learned next to the mishnah. So it's kind of dependent. In the uh, in the first version, you have the full braita chotet begadish harezo sukkah. So um, probably this is the original version of the braita. Um, you wonder what is what was what were Rav Huna's original words? Did he say something as a comment on the on the Mishnah? Lo shanu, this Mishnah was only only is talking about this case, but not that case. Or did he mention is talk about his his uh, his statement kan b'sheish kan b'she'en? So we don't know what Avuna's original formulation was, um, but substantively it's the same thing. All right, and now we get to the next Mishnah, which is going to be very important uh, for, for building Sukkot. Um, a challenge is to try to build the, uh, a Sukkot with the least amount of material possible. So we can learn a lot of halachot from this. If someone builds the walls of their Sukkot that are attached at the top, and then they come down, but there's a gap on the bottom. So is that okay? If there's space between the top and bottom, uh, between the bottom of the wall and the floor, 
that's three tefachim or more, then it's no good. So here, this is Michel Shale, that the, the, the wall starts on the top, and it doesn't really matter how you build it, but the point is that it attaches to the top, and then there's space on the bottom. So the reason for this is that if there's enough space that a goat could, could go under it, then you can't consider that a wall, right? And you can use all the loopholes and extensions you want, but you know, it, it's, it, if a goat is passing right through, then that's not a, just simply not a partition. It just breaks any any legal fictions you want to try to make. Uh, so therefore, that's no good. If it's less than three tefachim, then that's okay, either because it's lavud, so it's considered like it's all filled in, or and or uh, it's it's not enough that a goat could go under. In fact, the whole law of a of a of lavud might be dependent on 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 the, the size of a goat. Um, okay, so that is that's the first halacha in the Mishnah. Um, second halacha, if the wall starts at the floor and then goes up, as long as it's ten tefachim high, it doesn't, the rest of it could be all airspace, and that would be fine. So you have ten tefachim from the floor here. This could be very high, and it's okay. So this is the principle of good asik, good meaning partition. Asik means goes, goes up. We consider once it's ten tefachim high, we consider the rest as if it's there, and this is a good partition. A goat couldn't go in, so this is totally fine. Um, so in the previous case, um, we do see, you see, we do not apply the principle of good achit that a, a wall goes down. There isn't that. That is another principle that might apply in other cases that a wall that is ten tefachim. We consider it going down forever, but it's just a contradiction if a goat can go under. So you can probably try to construct a case where you would say, right, does this mean that good achit never works? Or is there a case where you can, you can construct that you can use good achit and still make sure that a goat doesn't go under? So maybe it would be something like if you had a short wall here that was less than tentavachim and then airspace and then a big wall on top. So since you have some kind of short wall, a goat couldn't go there, but it's not yet kosher. But if you have a big wall that's ten tefachim on top, then you can consider that to go down and cover uh, the space. So perhaps something, a case like that. So um, would still use good achit. But uh, anyway, if a goat can go under, it's no good. That's Tanakama that says, yes, you can go up, but no, you cannot go down if it's any more than three tefachim. However, Rabbi Yose Omer, Rabbi Yose disagrees. He says, Keshem she... <coughs> He says, just like from going, if you start at the floor and go up, as long as you have 10 tefachim, we consider that to extend all the way up to the sechach. So too, if you started the wall at the sechach and went down 10 tefachim, then you can consider it uh, as if it goes all the way down. He doesn't, not worrying about the goats. He's not worrying about the, what, that, what it looks like. He says, all right, the same principle, good asik and good achit. Okay, that's the Biyose. Excellent. So that's the Mishnah. Now the Gemara is going to try to figure out, um, is going to compare the laws of Sukkah to the laws of Eruvin, as we've done uh, many times. What's at the essence of their argument? So this is a concept in Shabbat and Eruvin, if you have a Mechisa, a partition that's suspended, meaning it's, it's high up, and it goes down, but it doesn't reach the floor. It's suspended. So there's a machloket regarding halchot eruvin, whether that's good or not good. And that would be the same here. 
Tanakama uh, here that says you do not extend down would say a hanging partition in Eruvin is also not good. And the one, Rabbi Yoseh, who says it is okay, would be the one who says in Eruvin also that it is okay. And here we're going to see a practical example of this from a Mishnah in Masechet Eruvin. Tanan Hatam. Bor sheben shete haserot en memalein mimena bashabat if you have a, a cistern that's between two courtyards, shared by two courtyards, you cannot use it on Shabbat. Neither, neither person can use it unless you make a mechisa ten tefachim somewhere. Ben milamala, ben bilamata, ben betoch ogeno. So let's see the picture here. I'll make it clear. And this is a good test. If you remember Eruvin, then you'll remember this picture that we saw over there also. So you have two neighbors, right? And they uh, they share this courtyard. There is a wall down the middle. And assuming there's no, no Eruv, um, so they can't carry from one to the other. So you cannot, this neighbor cannot go and get water from here because the water is all connected. And by drawing water, even though it's on his side, he's drawing water also from the other side because the, the water moves around. And therefore he's in effect carrying water from the neighbor to his side. And that's no good. That's no good even if you have this brick wall. Therefore, you have to add something. You have to add another mechitza underneath, under under the uh, the, the 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 lip, uh, the, uh, the the ground level. You have to put it. Now it could be anywhere. It could be in the airspace between the ground level and the and the water. It could be down deep in the water on the bottom. It could be somewhere in between. Could be anywhere. So we do uh, make some kind of legal fiction. You don't have to put a solid metal wall that is, is is sealed tight, waterproof. You don't have to do that, but you do have to do some kind of symbolic wall to show that the, these this is a different domain. Um, okay, so you see, according to Tanakama, even though you have a wall above, we do not say good achit. We, this is a suspended wall, and it does not go down. So that would fit with Tanakama. But in the Mishnah, we have another opinion. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Okay, he also agrees that you need a wall. He just thinks it's a machlok, yet you can't put it anywhere you want. According to Bet Shammai, has to be on top, an uh, airspace, and according to Bet Hillel, has to be on the bottom, has to be in the water. But that he agrees that the wall on top, the brick wall, does not extend. So that, that's not, uh, that would still be like Tanakama. But we have another opinion in the Mishnah, Marabiuda. He says, this partition that you're, that you're making shouldn't be any, um, any more stringent than the wall that's there between the two courtyards. In other words, he's saying that the wall that's there is the best wall that you have, right? You have a full wall between here. And so that's fine. You don't need to, you don't need to add anything else, right? Some, some little flimsy thing that you're going to add at the bottom of the, the water is not going to do any, any more good than what you have already. So you don't need it. So you see, according to this last opinion, um, uh, uh, the you do say gudachit, a suspended wall, is perfectly fine, and therefore the bi yose in regarding sukkah in our mishnah seems to match up with the bi yehuda in the laws of eruvin. Okay, and the tanakama and tanakama will match up with each other that you do not uh, 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 um, make them go down. Okay, so that seems to be uh, a reasonable conclusion. And in fact, the Yerushalmi uh, concludes this way that uh, these would match up, but the Babli does not. Uh, we're going to reject this. Amara ba bar bar chana, amara biyochanan, rebi yudah b'shitat rebi yoseh amara. 
Damar mechisa teduya materet. Um, wait, so this is still with the Shita that we are working, we are going to mash them up. Rabbi Yochanan, who's from Eretz Yisrael, says, Rabbi Yudah and Rabbi Yoseh, uh, Rabbi Yudah follows the same opinion, same view as Rabbi Yoseh, uh, that says a hanging wall is fine. We consider it as, as if it goes down. But just like in the Sukkah, um, it will go down. So according to Rabbi Yochanan, yes, they, uh, they match up the laws of Sukkah and Shabbat. But now the Bavli says, Velohi, they do not ma- actually match up. They do not necessarily agree with each other. Because you could you could agree with one, but not the other, and the other, but not one. How so? He said a hanging wall regarding Eruv, that's okay, we can consider it as if it extends down into the water, because all the laws of Eruvin are the Rabbanan. We're talking about courtyards that are Rishut Hayachid Deoraita. And the rabbis came and said, hold on, if we allow you to, to, to carry in your courtyard, it's open air, then you're going to get mixed up and you're going to come to carry in the Shutara Bim Deoraita. Therefore, the rabbis come and say, you have to make an Aruv. But the whole thing is really Medrabanan. On the Doraita level, you're allowed to carry anyway. So that's why the Biuda is lenient in that case. But the law of sukkah, midoraita, you have to build a proper sukkah as, as defined um, by, by, uh, by all the sources that we are seeing. And therefore, um, he would say, no, for a sukkah, deoraita, I would not agree that you can have a suspended wall. I would not say good achit. So therefore, the Buddha does not necessarily agree with Rabbi Yoseh. And how about Rabbi Yoseh? He can also find a, a reason why he would say his opinion only in sukkah. Maybe the says, I'm fine with having a sukkah that has an upper wall and it extends down because the whole misfah of sukkah is misfat aseh, which is not so stringent. Um, unlike Shabbat, if you violate Shabbat, it's a sikila. That's much more stringent. So therefore, he would not agree regarding Ochot Shabbat that you can extend it down. Okay, so each one has some reason not to agree with each other. So maybe really they don't they don't agree with each other. Okay, now uh, now that we've established that, that a Biyoseh, in fact, only said his halacha regarding Sukkah, but not Shabbat, we're going to have a question from the following story. What about that story in Sepphoris? I'm going to tell you the story in a second, but it was a story where they relied on a hanging wall, and Sipori was the place of Rabbi Yoseh. So if they didn't follow Rabbi Yoseh, who were they following? You know what actually happened in a later generation, not Rabbi Yoseh's time, but his son, Rabbi Ishmael, and his son, Rabbi Ishmael, disagreed with his father. Rabbi Ishmael said that a, a hanging wall is okay. And so that have since happened in that generation, that's why they did it. Now, what was the story? One time, they forgot to bring a Sefer Torah to the Bet Knesset from before Shabbat. So on Shabbat, they, right, they open their house and says, oh no, there's no Torah, where is it? It's in the guy's house who lives next door. So what are they going to, what did they do? They took sheets and they spread them on posts and they carried the Torah 
from, from one to the other. Here's a picture, right? So here's the Bet Knesset over here. And here's the person's house who had the, had the Sefer Torah in it. It's interesting that the Sefer Torah was in the person's house and not in the Bet Knesset. Nowadays, usually we keep all the Sefer Torah in the Bet Knesset. Only very few people keep a Sefer Torah in their house. But perhaps in those days, it was different. People owned their own Sefer Torah as a mitzvah to write your own Sefer Torah. So people will have their Sefer Torah in their house. And then when it was time to read, they would, they would bring it. Um, uh, people would take turns and bring their, their Sifre Torah. Okay, in any case, it was in his house. And so they had a problem. How are they going to carry it? Because he's in an adjacent courtyard. So the answer is, oh, look, there was, uh, there was some, sh- they, they put some sheets uh, over here and that created a partition. The sheets did not go down to the ground. This picture looks like they go pretty far down. But let's assume that they were attentifachim from the top to the middle, but then they didn't reach the ground. And nevertheless, they permitted it and said, we'll consider this all one courtyard. And yes, you can go ahead and carry. We're assuming there are no other neighbors in that enclosure. So you wouldn't need an eruv because a bet knesset is not a living space. So um, uh, you, don't need a, uh, uh, you don't need to make an eruv. It's all one courtyard. And so since they, uh, they, they relied on this being 10 tefachim off the ground, that you can, uh, three tef- more than three tefachim off the ground, and nevertheless, you can go down. So who do they follow? Can it be the Biyoseh? No, they followed the son of Rabbi Yoseh. This is interesting because according to the Biochanan, who we just saw, and, the, and, the, and what we find in Talmud Yerushalmi, really Rabbi Yoseh did agree with Rabbi Yehuda and did think that you can have a suspended wall. So according to that, this could have been in the time of Rabbi Yoseh. And there's no need to say that Rabbi Ishmael, his son, disagreed with him. Um, but the Bavli did not understand it that way. And they found a reason to distinguish between Sukkah and Shabbat. And according to that, you have to say it was in the time of the son, Rabbi Ishmael. Okay, um, one last question on the story. What do you mean that there were posts there and they came and brought sheets and put them on on Shabbat? How could you do that? Just by carrying the sheets out to out there, now you're already carrying. So you're already violating carrying just so that you can make, make a partition. You can't make a partition on Shabbat. So, rather you have to say that the sheets were already there. They left them out to dry from before Shabbat. And then they said, oh, no, we forgot the Torah. What are we going to do? We can't carry. They went outside. They said, oh, look, someone left, the, left these sheets out up, uh, above these posts. This is another way, another picture, another way of thinking about it, that there was a, like a hallway um, that happened to have these sheets hanging down. They were hanging down somewhat, but not all the way to the ground. And so they found that. They said, oh, lucky, lucky us. Uh, we, can carry, um, uh, we can carry through this corridor. Um, and, they, and they brought the Torah and they read it. All right, good. So that was a fantastic story, and that uh, showed the application of this halacha. Um, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna follow Tanakama that says you, you, we do not say gudachit. We do not use a suspended wall. So um, we have to make sure that when we make the walls of a sukkah, that there is not too much space on the bottom. If there is space, it has to be less than three tefachim. Good. Now, um, so a few interesting cases. Amad of Chista, Amad of Abime. He says, I can make a sukkah with just four tefachim plus a little, 4.1 tefachim of uh, matting 
And that's all I need to make the a wall. So I'm sure everybody's surprised. All the students are like, what do you mean? It has to be 10 tefachim high, right? How could you make something out of only four? So um, he probably challenged the students to figure it out. Here's how you do it. You take that 4.1 and you put it right in the middle. And within three of the floor, so then that's lavud to the floor, and within three to the top, so uh, that's uh, lavud to the top, and therefore we can uh, we can apply lavud plus the four and a little. That would mean a little less than three, a little less than three here, and it's as if there's a full ten, and that's a totally kosher sukkah. Fantastic. Now we said peshita. Okay, Rav Christa, you thought you were challenging us, but isn't that obvious? We're just applying the principles that everybody knows. What are you teaching us new? I might have thought that I can apply Lavud once in one direction, but I can't apply it in two directions simultaneously, right? I might have thought that somehow if there's space on the bottom, I kind of extend this down. But if I extend it down, then it's going to, and it can't go both ways. You can't uh, burn the wick on two ends. And so he says, yes, you can. There's no problem, right? It extends down and extends up simultaneously. So that's a nice, that's a good chidush. Okay, now we have a challenge to Rav Chista uh, from a Braita Metibe. This Braita says that you can use a mat that's seven and a little, 7.1 tefachim, and you can make a wall out of that. That sounds like, what do you mean 7.1? That sounds like you're putting it on the floor until seven and a little, and then it's less than three tefachim from the top. So you're using, using lavud once. That shows that you can only use lavud once. Otherwise, the Braita should have said a bigger chidush that you can have even 4.1. So this Braita seems to contradict what um, uh, Rav Chista just said. So how is he going to answer it? Oh, we can say that this Braita is not talking about a a sukkah that's only 10 tefachim high, but rather maybe it's talking about a sukkah that's much higher. And it's teaching us that you can even put that seven high up and extend it down like Rabbi Yoseh, who says, good achit. So here's a picture. Here's Rav Chista's case that says you can uh, put this um, in the middle and use good uh, seek and good achit. Uh, no, you don't need, he just says lavud. He doesn't even, because it's less than three. So you can extend it up and down. And here is uh, the case where it's higher, right? It's a high sukkah, more than 10 tefachim. And the chidush of the baraita is you can take the seven and put it here, less than three from the top. So you have a lavud and it has to connect one, one way or another. And so you have lavud and then you can extend down with good achit. And so that's talking about a different case and that uh, therefore it does not contradict what Avchista said. Um, okay, good. Amar bi ameh. That's going to give us another chidush about the, about the walls uh, going horizontally. Even if you have a board that is 4.1, you can put it there and that can fill in a whole wall. And you put it a three or less next to the side wall. So you have four, really you need seven at least 
um, to make a wall, but that's okay. You can include Lavud and have only 4.1, and this is less than three, and this, that's considered filled in, and you'll be okay. Okay, so nice. We're, you know, so now we're, we're really uh, uh, skimping on material here, here both this way and, and, uh, and, and that way. And now, my kamash malan, what is Rabbi Amir's chidush? Isn't this obvious that you can use lavud sideways? Actually, he was teaching us a different halacha altogether that um, the smallest sukkah is seven by seven. Remember, we had a big machloket. Rabbi said it was four amot by four amot. By teaching this halacha that you can have four plus lavud, then I know four plus three, that's uh, seven. So I learned, I incidentally learned the size of a sukkah. But the fact that you can use lavud for a wall, that is actually obvious. And that is the end of the daf and the end of the discussion of the Mishnah. And so for homework, you can try to design your own sukkah using the least amount of material possible, right? What would be, what would be the amount of material and what would, you, what would your design look like? Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.